Welcome to Driving the C-Bus. I'm your host, Scott McComb. I'm chairman and CEO of a little community bank in Columbus, Ohio called Heartland Bank. My travels really expose me to some very interesting people, entrepreneurs that are world-class people in their own right, but run businesses that are up and coming in the 13th largest city in the country, which is Columbus. Each one of them is is also uh, unique in their own way. Their upbringing is different. Their family life might be different. But ultimately, the one thing that holds us all together as entrepreneurs is hard work and dedication and our love of our people. So that's what we try to do here here on the podcast is figure out what makes these entrepreneurs tick, what makes these areas of Columbus what they are, and how Columbus really became the place that it is today. Well, today on Driving the C-Bus, uh, we're lucky to have Zach Traxler with us today, a uh, local Columbus entrepreneur. Uh, he's got a very interesting uh, story about how he became an entrepreneur and how he's uh, overcome adversity and some other life challenges. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of those things today as well. You know, Zach uh, launched uh, Traxler Tees back in 2010. Um, and, uh, really he, he started his own, uh, apartment basement building, I think. And, uh, and, and, uh, now they have their own, uh, uh, location and, and, um, and it's now called Traxler Printing. So Traxler Printing employs now more than 25, uh, people here in central Ohio and, um, and their students either from Ohio State, CCAD, uh, you know, and adults and any, a very diverse group of people that are making things happen at, uh, at, uh, at Traxler Printing, and I know that uh, Zach and his people take a lot of pride in, in that uh, nurturing those those folks there. Um, you know, through their work at Zaxler uh, Printing, uh, Zach has helped many other small businesses. Uh, as a result of his experience, um, he's opted in for equity on some of those uh, companies. Um, he's got uh, been involved with amazing brands like Eight Bit Apparel, Surf Ohio, Local Libration. Liberation, local liberation, yeah, you got it, and many more. Um, so, uh, very active on social media. Uh, Traxler Printing has grown from forty thousand in revenue in twenty ten to generating millions in revenue annually today via the marketing on Facebook and Instagram and and podcasting and all kinds of different things. Um, Zach uh, is uh, has many. Uh, great honors as well, such as uh, uh, being part of Columbus Alive's People to Watch. Uh, he was a Hot Times hero, uh, won that award, Business uh, First 40 Under 40, and the Better Business Bureau Spark Award. So he's been nominated for many more. And uh, in 2018, Zach uh, most recently became a founding board member of Small Biz Care. So with that, welcome Zach Traxler to Driving the Sea Bus. Thank you very much for having me. That's quite the intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you've got quite the history. Yeah, so uh, It's only growing, too. Yeah, so. that's right. We're just getting started, right? right? Yeah, You're just absolutely. getting started. Absolutely. So, so, Zach, you know, um, you've got a very uh, interesting background. Uh, talk to me about, you know, kind of where you grew up and, and how uh, maybe where you went to school and then how you thought you would wanted to be in, in business for yourself. Yeah. Um, so I grew up uh, in southern Ohio, southeastern Ohio. I was um, born in Portsmouth, a uh, single mom. Uh, she worked 
uh, tirelessly to go get her master's while she had two crazy little twin boys. I've got an identical twin brother, Alex, who's also a small business owner. Um, but we lived in Athens, Ohio for a really long time. I went, I went pretty much halfway through high school there, and then I left while my brother stayed. Uh, I moved to Columbus, uh, I think it was 2003 or 2004, um, to go to Whetstone High School, and then I lotteried into the MEC program for commercial arts at Fort Hayes. Um, graduated with honors in that program, which was awesome. And the idea was to pursue, pursue uh, scholarships at Columbus College of Art and Design, which I got and then went to and then dropped out. <laughs> and then I did that two more times at two other colleges. Um, but I've always been a wheeler and a dealer. I mean, I've, I've said it on other podcasts and interviews before. I grew up with, um, you know, very uh, a very eclectic group of people in Athens, Ohio, especially my family, um, my grandfather being a small business owner, my dad, formerly a small business owner, now my dad and my mom. Um, well, my mom, not anymore, but has retired, she's retired from nonprofits, but I like to tell people I honed my fine motor skills as a child stuffing envelopes for nonprofits that my parents ran. Um, and that was really boring and I, and I made a couple bucks doing that. And so I had to get out and, and that was figure out what I can do for my, my friends. So fix up their bikes or trading cards or whatever it was, wheeler and dealer. Um, but my first company that I, that I helped run was a coffee roasting company in Athens, Ohio called Don Chorus. We bought beans from Stoffs in Columbus, took them down to Ace Net, roasted them, and I did all the branding and packaging when I was like 12, um, and then delivered it to Bob's IGA and Kroger and all these other places, and that's when I was like, man, you can you can take like seven pounds of coffee beans, or seven dollars worth of a pound of coffee bean and turn it into $18 a pound. This is this is pretty easy. What is this called? Oh, it's capitalism. <laughs> this is great. Um but you know, like the uh, the key there is the single single parent. So my mom uh, raised us in Athens, Ohio. My dad lived in Columbus, Ohio. And at the time, um, in our early life, uh, early on, Surf Ohio was part of a printing company. Um, my dad's largest client was Lazarus Stores, and they they went under, and so he was forced to sell his company. Um, and that's when he got out of the business. But that's really where I think I, at a very young age, had a kind of a weird knack and affinity for the screen printing process, and not really how it's done today, but like the true traditional method of it, which is very uh, cumbersome. There's a lot of steps to it. It's very manual. Um, but I avoided it my whole life, and, and but here I am today because I just couldn't keep my hands out of it. So That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so you come from a, uh, an entrepreneurial background. I mean, yeah. you're, so your mother and father both were on, very entrepreneurial mm-hmm. um, and still are. Uh, and so how, how does that – I mean, probably attribute a lot to your upbringing and that kind of thing to, to where you were not just having a lemonade stand. You're like, you know, roasting coffee in Athens, Ohio and making money right. at it at 12 or at 13, right? right? Yeah, right. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, it, I think it brings a total additional layer on everything. Um, you watch your parents be successful and you watch them fail too, but they get right back up again and they, they keep going at it. And I think that that kind of drive – um, can be created in somebody, but there's also, depending on who you are and where you're from, um, and your lineage, that's kind of ingrained in your DNA. I mean, you look at my grandfather who's 77 years old and he still gets up with the sun and he goes to bed at midnight and he's busting his butt every single day, cutting down trees, building cabinets. I mean, it's what he does on the, the tree farm down in Kentucky isn't anything easy. And he just, there is no weekend for him either. It's seven days a week. All mm-hmm. all day, every hour of the day. So. You know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, uh, of single moms. 
I mean, because yeah. single moms, I mean, when you grow up in that environment, I was lucky enough to have both my parents right. there and loving and nurturing and all that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, we, we, although we came from nothing and hard work was around, you know, we did, I did have both my mother and father there. Yeah. Um, but single moms, man, they got to make it happen. You know, got to remember the two, this was, this is back when, uh, uh, back when women weren't treated equally right i mean they didn't make as much there right. i mean all that was real right that happened and so not only are they are, are single mothers during that time this would have been back in the 70s right um so uh not only are they uh treated in in, in uh not equally but they have to swim upstream just constantly so oh, yeah. um, they don't have time to mess around they don't take anybody's crap they uh, they know what they want and they're very demanding about it and uh, and they stay very focused because they have to be they they have to make uh, every you know all the nineteen hours they're awake every day they gotta they gotta make uh, stuff happen so yeah it's nonstop yeah yeah so Mother's Day is probably a big deal for you isn't it uh, <laughs> yeah it is yeah, yeah. I mean uh, yep. that's uh, hats off to all the single moms out there because uh, you guys really make it happen I, I'm, uh, I'm 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 very grateful for. Uh, for those folks, you know, uh, also we have something else we have in common. I was a college dropout as well. Um, so, um, to all the college dropouts that might be listening, you know, there's still hope for you. Um, don't, uh, throw in the towel. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's, you know? there's a much larger part of the story. And I didn't just drop out of college and go straight into printing. I, you know, I grew up doing electrical work, plumbing, framing houses. I mean, a tradesperson. And that's why I think it correlated into to printing a lot easier even after everything I did in between dropping out of college, it wasn't like I dropped out of college, started a screen printing business. I started my business in 2010. Um, so there was like a four year period after high school where I was like, what am I doing? So I knocked on doors for AT&T and I knocked on doors for the dispatch. And then I became an analyst in an internet company for several years. I didn't go to school for that. I just taught myself that stuff um, and improved myself. And then, and a big key to that too is um, not being afraid to ask. So, you know, if you, we, I'm not sure if I can swear on this, but we make, we make <laughs> one common, we make one common uh, uh, saying in our company is that assumptions make assholes because if you assume something and it's wrong, you're affecting everybody else's job around you. And so that, that was a very important thing. It's like, I didn't think I was going to go knock on doors, but I ended up being one of the top door-to-door salesmen because I didn't assume things. I would ask things from the person's door I was knocking on to the person I was training with, um, you know, going to the internet industry, and which was a kind of a fluke for me. And I made it really well through that because I spent a lot of my time taking my coworkers out to lunch and asking them every possible question to the point where, like, I knew why they wouldn't schedule lunch with me because I probably asked too many questions, but you know, it, it got me to where I am today. Um, and even today in our industry, we're one of the top 30 or 40 printing companies in North America. Now um, I was just added to Gildan's board of decorators. So I'm one of the top 12 decorators in the industry uh, named this year, which is really exciting. Nice. Um, and, and, uh, and all of that comes with hard work, but, but, Really, the thing is that everybody in their industry assumes automatically assumes that the next business down the street that's doing the same thing as them is a competitor. That's not at all true. So we created a Facebook group called Screen Printing Q and A, and it's now the world's largest industry specific Facebook group. Um, and we've got screen printers that are living in shacks in South Africa to my competitors here in Columbus that are three times my size. And you know, we're all sharing you know tips and tricks on tech and driving success and and. Uh, 
you know, and, and what it does for us too, it's like, we're over capacity right now at Traxler Printing. So we need to find the next best guy. And so we can do that, you know, through asking through these sales channels. Now, if we assumed again, making an assumption that everybody was a competitor, we wouldn't be able to call on these people for help, you know? So it's, right. yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's, it's a really, really uh, fun <laughs> it's really fun, short, quick road. It's been ten years now, which is crazy. Um, and it, the but, time but, time flies. I mean, when you're working, uh, you know, sixty five to eighty hours a week. I mean, I've been there, done that, yeah, still do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I get it, and the time flies. Uh, you know, but the consistent behavior over time is what's you know most important. Um, right. But, but you, a couple of things I want to touch on there of the last comment that you made about about col- working collaboratively with your with your you know quote competitors right you know and assumptions you know you know what assume spells right mm-hmm. you make a, write it out you make an ass out of you and me that's how right. that's how you spell assume and uh, and I completely uh, identify with those uh, those comments but you know really bringing the competition closer we you know we we kind of do that in our business as well where we try to support all the other community banks because right. we don't you know we don't compete with the community banks we're competing with the 85 percent of the market share that's run by the trillionaire banks you know right. and so why not work together with your competitors you never know when you can uh when you can help one another where you specialize in something that that maybe they don't and and vice versa um putting best practices together i mean there's plenty of business out there you know it's not like there's going to be one amazon in the printing business right i right. mean there's there are uh, the local shops all over the place so that, that's uh that's uh, commendable that you should think that way about your competition bring your competition closer and see what you can learn from them absolutely i mean there's power in numbers so across the board that's right yeah so tell me, um, uh, are you married yet, Zach? Uh, married and separated, actually. Married yeah. and separated yeah. currently. All right, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So no, no children. Do you have any children? Two, uh, two children. My son's four, and my daughter's six. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Four and six. Yeah. they're getting more interesting by the day, aren't they? They are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My son is very uh, mechanical. Um, wants to know how things work. Wants to know how he can break them. Uh, my daughter is very artistic and creative just like me so she's left-handed and she's always doodling or drawing or knitting or making something and and wes is um tearing it up so yeah well it sounds like you got two little entrepreneurs growing up in the the (laughs) traxler household as well absolutely well that's good hey tell let's shift gears a little bit here to talk about uh uh, about just your business itself and the culture that you've built inside your business i mean i know that your people are uh you know i see facebook posts of them working uh, at all hours of the day and night, you guys are are a just in time uh, type uh, deliverable uh, or deliverable uh, yeah, hot business, market, hot right? Printer, yep. Yeah. So uh, and talk about that. Like like you have, not, you know the the Buckeyes win some big game. I me- I remember. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys do the um, uh, revenge tour canceled T shirts? Was that something that you guys had something to do with? Or we. Uh you know, honestly, there's so many orders that come through the facility. I don't see them all anymore. But for like the last five years, we've been what's called a hot market printer for J America, top of the world brands. They've got the master license for Ohio State. And so whenever they win Big Ten championship or the gold pants, you know, beat Michigan seven seasons in a row, there's a right. lot of a lot of cool little hot market jobs um, that we get to pick up. And, and they range in size. And now we actually do that on a national level for pro sports as well. So essentially any pro team or NCAA team that's within – you know, driving distance or one day ship or on call for some sort of like big championship or move. Um, so whenever they clinch, we're literally sitting there. Best one is the World Series. 
uh, when the Indians went head dead with the Cubs. I mean, those two historic long dry spells. And so we pre-printed darn near 20,000 Indian shirts because they thought the Indians were going to win in game like five, I think, or something, or four. Um, and then, of course, it went to the last game, double rain delay. It was like one o'clock in the morning. We've got 50,000 gray shirts and we're set up for the Indians and then the Cubs clinch and then we get a call. We're like shutting down, going to leave. And then we get a call like, hey, can you print Cubs? So we're going from a three color design <laughs> to a 10 color design. So we had to pivot and shoot all of these screens. And then there was this gold ink on the shirt that nobody had in stock. Also, it's like one o'clock in the morning, no ink suppliers open. So we are figuring out the formula in our facility in the middle of the night to match this rose Aztec gold that goes on the cub shirt. We were there for 48 hours straight and we printed almost 50,000 shirts. I mean, on the turn of a dime on one press, Wow, which was insane. So, um, yeah, that's the kind of, uh, the kind of nerdy stuff that I, I like to do in my company is be lean as possible and then be as flexible as possible for the client without sacrificing quality. Like if at any point we felt we couldn't do it, we would have said no, but like we were determined. Um, and that, that was a ton of, that was a ton of fun for me. I don't, not sure most of my employees really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping underneath the press. You know, oh yeah. Like I tried catching... to go, I tried to go home for like six hours to take a nap and I just laid there in bed with my eyes wide open. I'm like, I can't do this. And I just went straight back into work and then on the news with 36 hours of no sleep. Wow. <laughs> that was hilarious. Well, I was at that Indians uh, Cubs game, that game seven. And yeah. if it hadn't had the second rain delay, they would have won. They would have won. Yeah. They were, they had them shell shocked after that they home run it. in the bottom of the ninth. And, uh, they had them running, and and then they took the time out, and they got it together, and uh, and and they ended up losing. But uh, but but that flexibility yep. is uh, is super important. So tell me, how do you motivate your people? You know, uh, at your company to to do that, to work forty eight hours, to be you know to break down those barriers. I mean, uh, that's very unusual that that people do that unless they're totally passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the cool thing about trade industry. It's like, again, this goes back to you can go to college for four years or eight years and learn how to do this and that. And they don't teach what we do in college. They may teach the chemistry or mechanical being around something, bits and pieces of it or whatever. Um, but the people that come into our company to work for us are very prideful in the fact that they're working with their hands and they're learning something that, you again, you can't learn in school until somebody creates a program for it or whatever. Um but we also, I mean, we also take care of our staff. It's like next weekend we're going out to, we're taking everybody out to Columbus Destroyers game in the party pit with BrewDog, who's one of our clients, and C1025, who are the exclusive printer for it. It's going to be a blast. And, you know, we try and do things like that. Um, and that's not like to dangle a carrot or anything and, and be like, well, if you work, you get to do this. I mean, everybody gets to go regardless. Um, you know, we also try to have fun. Um, we listen to cool music and we're pretty flexible as far as management goes in our company. Um, we're not, we're a number driven organization, just like any successful company is because numbers don't lie. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, so-and-so didn't do this. And then I hold their feet to the fire. Uh, we do hold their feet to the fire, but we probably do it in a little bit different way in that we're, you know, we're, we're trying to coach and work with them knowing again, that this is a trade industry. And then, you know, some of our, some of our staff, you know, had the option when they started to work with us, they had lots of options, but what they saw in front of them was work here because I have to, or go join a gang. Now some of these guys have custody of their kids and they've been clean for two years or whatever. So there's really cool stories behind the people that we employ. And we, again, we really invest that time and relationship with them so that they stay, 
but also more importantly so that they're very prideful in what they're doing. And honestly, like if that guy goes to my competitor tomorrow and gets a job that pays double, that's awesome because I can't afford that. But now he's on this upward, upward mobility path, you know, that he would have never seen before. And if I can create that for somebody, that's what really matters to me. You know, I, maybe people know or they don't know, but you really are helping giving second chances and getting getting uh, people back in the workforce, right? I yeah, mean, I mean that's we don't we don't do. we don't use that as a marketing. We don't no. we don't like to talk. I mean, I mean, I'll talk about it, but we don't like go out there and like plaster ads like you know. Right. We're doing this. Yeah, do this because we right, do that. You're right. doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. It's what's important. I used to donate a lot of my time and and skills outside of work. You know, hands on in organizations because I had the time to do it, and I don't anymore. And so, if I can help nonprofits and charities raise money through print to discounts in kind, whatever that is, but then more importantly, impact the community that I live in by, you know, fostering growth and change in the people that live in that community, either through what I just said, or, you know, through bringing them in as staff and, and teaching them something that they actually care about, then that's huge. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's why I can go to sleep. It's so. a win-win. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you, when not only uh, the bottom line is very important. However, you know, people understand that you have this cool place to work, well, it can only be cool if the bottom line's healthy, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, otherwise, the the cool place goes away, right? You know? Well, so yeah, and I mean, we have to understand it's not all easy and fun. I mean, there's, the struggle's real. It's like up and down. I mean, we're going through it right now. We just moved to a new facility. This is our sixth move in ten years. You know, going from 130 square feet in a wet Clintonville basement to Arcadia to Indianola, Indianola again, Silver Drive, and then we moved across the parking lot on Silver Drive from like 11,000 square feet to almost 40,000 square feet. And the crazy thing about that is like in things that you don't even know are going to happen, you think that you're going to move, everything's going to be clean and state-of-the-art in this new facility. Nothing's changed really. We moved all the same equipment. We just have a larger facility. Everything is spread out. It's a lot more lean. It's, it works a lot better. No jobs changed. No roles changed. But suddenly there's this weird dynamic within the staff and they think that everything's different. And so we had a lot of weird issues with that, you know, not being – able maybe to walk four feet and talk to somebody. Now you got to walk across the building and talk to somebody and like this feeling of disconnect. And so that's something that we're trying to work on now with, with the culture and the, the company culture. And so we encourage people that are like in the offices now, which our offices now are almost 10,000 square feet, which was the size of our entire facility. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a big difference. So we encourage people to get up and walk around and, you know, even if you've got your work in your hand instead of on your computer, just like go out and sit in another part of the building for a little bit and, hey, everybody, I'm still here, you That's know, right. that kind of thing. So. Well, culture is, is so important. I mean, uh, we, you know, it, it, we've talked about that on other uh, podcasts with other entrepreneurs about it being a weapon. You know, culture totally. is really uh, an offensive weapon. Tell, what do you do to, to, to besides the, the family events and all that kind of stuff, what do you do to foster the culture uh, there at Traxler? You know, it's funny. It's like um, you know, I'm CEO of multiple companies, um, but I'm a delegator like through and through. So for a long time, I told people like, I'm not a micromanager. I don't, I don't like to be, you know, this top down kind of person. Um, in reality, that's all I was doing. And it was, everybody was suffering from it. I knew everything. Like I just said earlier in the, uh, in this, that I don't know every order that comes through the building anymore. And that's actually on purpose. I don't look anymore. Um, I used to look at every single order and like, I don't, I have no idea what they're printing right now. And that's on purpose. It's because I, I you know, I like this. I don't know. I, I can't remember who taught me this, but I think uh, an app term would be like a, a, a rock breaker. Like I'm really good at breaking down really big rocks. So you put a boulder in front of me 
and that's the project. And if I can break it down into manageable pieces and hand it off to other managers or people within my company and like, look, this is your rock. You own this rock. Break it down however you need to to get it into whatever we're creating out of this rock. But at the end of the day, this is yours. Um, and if you need help, ask, you know, yada, 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 the same stuff we always do. But it's really giving them the sense of ownership. And sometimes I think it really pisses my employees off actually that like I will hand them a project. I'll give them as much information that I can around it. And then that's it. Here's the due date. Here's what you're trying to accomplish outside of that. I don't know anything. And they're like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, well, if you need something answered, call the client or if you need, you know, it's not like a here, figure, figure, figure it out, but it is, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, I trust you with this, you know? So if you can do this, then you're just making improving to yourself that you can be better. Now you have something else under your belt and this department can take on more. I mean, like our e-commerce department, it was one person a year and a half ago. It's like six people now. It's the fastest growing department we have. I mean, and it's Carlin kills it in that department and everybody that works for it is awesome. Um, but that's why she's continuing to get more employment support in that department than maybe another department that might be growing the same amount because she's the one that's, taking the rocks and just crushing them. Yeah. Like just crushing them. So, yeah. Well, people being entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial inside the walls of your company, you know, if it, when you get them doing that, then really the, the momentum really starts. It yeah. starts to snowball because totally. people uh, get it. I mean, I, I came from a, uh, a world myself where my dad was a micromanager and uh, he, you know, uh, and, and frankly, I, I'm trying to you know, break myself of being a micromanager. I want to know all the clients. Took I want to know years. where they're at. Took I want, me years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going on 30-some years in business, and I still haven't figured it out. You know, it's because I, uh, I, I want to be at the switch. I grew up at the switch. I, you know, so separating me from the switch is, is something that's tough. But, I can tell uh, you this here, the switch will always be there. The other thing is that you can make it a three-way switch or a five-way switch or a six-way switch or a hundred-way switch, and you start telling people other people where the switch is and let them own it. And it's really hard, honestly, Scott. I mean, you've got to let go, and it's, it's going to suck real, real bad and real hard, and you're going to be, like, lost for a while like uh, like I was. Um, but, like, it makes everything so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it's it crazy. So. Well, you know, that's uh, – yeah. I, I'm learning things here as we talk, uh, you know, uh, the same the same way. I, I really have to learn how to let go and uh, let the people – frankly, there's people at our company at Heartland that are better than I am at those jobs. And they are more creative and they they, uh, they can stay on task. They can do all kinds of things uh, that, you know, that I can't. Um, and, and so finding the right seat on the bus for myself is very important, just like we're trying to find the right seat on the bus for all of our, uh, all of our associates. Mm-hmm. So as the business owner, that's real important, right? To know, know where you shine, where you can help the company and where you might do the most damage, right? I right. mean, so you, you figure, how long did it take you to figure that out with your company? You say, are six, you still six years? Six, I, mean, seven I years? mean, yeah, I'm still, just, you're always figuring out. There's never, there's never an end to it. Right. Um, you know, I know that I'm really good at public speaking and promoting our story or telling our story and, and the pride and passion we put behind every single print and and what it means for me, which luckily for me is important to my staff, you know, how we're creating jobs for Ohio, how we're retaining money in the state of Ohio, how we're advancing technology in our industry, um, supporting charities and nonprofits, employing adults with autism and disabilities or kids out of the hood, like everything comes together because it was bits and pieces of my vision and, and I've got all these people that come in and they have that same vision or a piece of that same vision. And so that's what makes it easy 
for me to just, or there was like one day where I just like felt like it was somebody else handled something that was big and I was kind of upset, but they did it really well. I was like, damn, why didn't I do that? Like, and they did it really quick. Like, all right, well, that's yours. Done. And so once that snowball starts rolling, it actually gets easier and easier. And you're not, again, you're not going to figure it out on the, on the first swing ever. Um, and so, and I still have to go back and adjust. And, um, but what that's led me to do is find my knack, which is, you know, uh, working more in depth with organizations or people in the city to help grow our industry, um, or getting to forge, uh, lasting relationships with like folks like you or Randy Malloy at CD1025. Um, because even though we're all in different industries, we all need each other, you know, we're all locals. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't print anymore. I don't send out sales emails anymore. I, I used to do all of that. I mean, I used to do every still a fashion so. model on Buckeye Saturdays though, right? Oh so, yeah. I can't to... wait for football to start back up with you. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good year, man. We've had a lot of fun down That's... there tailgating and, yep. and cheering on our Buckeyes and, and uh, different things. Now you also are uh, uh, started to do some consulting in the apparel business as well, right? Yeah, so yeah, you're so, hooking up with some other companies and helping them out? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I got a call last July um, to come interview with Crawford Hoying uh, for the CEO position of one of their brands or one of their, their um, uh, portfolio pieces called Alma Mater, which is a 10-year-old NCAA, high-end NCAA fashion brand. Um, it, it had a lot of great traction early on and then some missteps in manufacturing and getting to market and, and had it, uh, its ups and downs just like any other small business. Um, and I have a knack for looking at processes and flows and identifying pretty quickly where something's broken or how it can be uh, less frictitious and, and cheaper, more cost effective without, you know, sacrificing the, the end goal. And um, like I think I was interviewed on a Wednesday, Wednesday night. I rebuilt the entire website overnight with like 3,000 SKUs gave it to them Thursday and Friday they hired me. So, um, and then I just jumped right into it. Um, and which has expanded into other great relationships with like Bruiser out of Canada, moving them to the United States because of tariff changes and stuff, which is Alma Mater's competitor. Now Alma Mater and Bruiser are actually combining, um, not legally or on paper, but as a, as a partnership on paper, um, to use each other's facilities, speed to market. Alma Mater now has shifted over to more accessories, whereas Bruiser is still apparel. And so, getting all of these uh, kind of matching high-quality storytelling pieces in NCAA into Barnes & Noble, Follett's, Direct Consumer Online. Um, it's happened very quickly, less than a year. I'm over, we're approaching a year now. So wow. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> now I'm, uh, yeah, now I'm completely trained and well-versed in NCAA, which only took, you know, six months. So that's yeah. fun. <laughs> well, you know, it's a neat though that you could take your aptitude as a, as an entrepreneur and from what you've done for yourself, and then people see that, and you're now able to use those applied sciences really to someone else's uh, business. And it, even yeah. though it's kind of along the lines of what you did, but not really. You it know? is. I mean, and another good example of something that's not along the lines of what I did is like there's a uh, before we even got into 3PL and shipping or fulfillment, drop shipping, pick and pull, and stuff like that. Um, because I'm obsessed with lean uh, a friend of mine's company couldn't hit ship dates or fill every single order and they were getting crushed with bad reviews and tanking because of it and i'm like flew down moved some shelves around added a couple computers dedicated a couple staff to different areas and now they don't miss a single order it's like i'm i didn't think i was going to be consulting moving shelves around but and then saving a company out of, as a result but so there's the cool things like that and we do that in our company every single day it's continually evolving so yeah um, yeah, it's good to, uh, 
identify a good process and then figure out where the friction is and then and how to identify that friction and then just don't trust your gut, trust the numbers and go on it. So, right. Yeah. And that, that's across any business, right? Absolutely, I mean, yeah. you can, uh, yeah, you could be, you know, the Bourne brothers, uh, you know, with the uh, dumpsters, you could be the, uh, uh, you know, you could uh, be in the radio business. There's all kinds right. of ways uh, that, that kind of strategic thinking is, can be applied across any right. uh, business and really any life event too. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to figure it out, yep. you know, um, hey, if you had to give some advice to today's young people or, you know, folks out there that uh, are dreaming about, you know, having their own business, uh, what would it be? What would be your piece of advice to one young people and then folks that maybe think they want to be in business for themselves? That's a tough one. I mean, there's so many of these little things have been beaten to death. Um, you know, the, the cliche one that I would say first really quick would be, uh, you know, Every every failure is actually a success. So I mean, as as daunting and as uh, debilitating and beat down as you'll feel, um, you know, learn from it, stand back up, move forward. If you can't stand up, crawl. I mean, just go. Um, aside from that, I would say, you know, if you are starting a business or in the process of thinking of starting a business, is don't do what you don't know until you know it. I mean, so if you're not an accountant, don't do your accounting. If you're not an attorney, don't do your attorney work, hire somebody for it. It's expensive and it's just going to draw out possibly um, the cost and and how much longer it's going to take to launch your business. But if you take the extra time to do that, it's going to save you so much money and so much time and headache down the road. And then when you can afford yourself the time um, uh, to, to learn it, if you need to, maybe you don't, then do it down the road, but just don't try and, and uh, you know, nitpick every little thing up front that you don't know because you don't know what you don't know. So, and that'll yeah. get you in a heap of trouble real quick. Surrounding yourself with quality people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Is don't be afraid to thing. ask. I mean, you can go to zacharytraxler.com slash schedule and I will have a 30 minute coffee with you. No question. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're from. I'll hear your story. You want some advice? Cool. I'll give you some advice. You want to take it? Sweet. If you don't, awesome. We had a great coffee and I got to meet somebody new. So cool. And that's just me being selfless with my time because yeah. I know down the road, uh, you know, whether it's your, you're going to start that company or whatever, and it fails or it's super successful that maybe someday I'll need something. Maybe I just need a coffee to talk and that's going to mean the world to me. So, um, that's great. That's why I put myself out there like that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Zach, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show and, yeah, uh, thank you. uh, appreciate what you've done obviously, uh, with your company and, uh, and from your humble beginnings, uh, to, uh, to now being uh, uh, kind of a, a Columbus mogul in the fashion world, which is great. So I'm working on it, yeah. Well, keep up the great work. It's uh, uh, great to see you, and uh, thanks for driving the bus. Absolutely, thank you for having me.